0: we did a Broadway song during this series. (laughs) And I've been waiting for three whole weeks to get to that point in time. So if there's any other Broadway gays out there like me, y'all just be as happy as you want to this morning. Are you ready to defy gravity? Are you ready? Unlimited. Unlimited. God's love and grace for us. Unlimited. The possibilities in our lives. Unlimited. Are you ready to sing and breathe and live in that spot of grace? In that place where Jesus reaches out to you already and says you are loved? In that place where God's arms are already open, running down the road to greet you, even though you told God you're dead? Unlimited. Are you ready to be in those spaces in life? It may just seem like a vision that's kind of hazy. Hear the lyrics in the song. It may just seem like a vision. Because you know we got a lot of things that we have to let go of before we can defy gravity, and sometimes we're not even aware what they are until we try to get going, and then they hold really tight. You know, the moment you're ready to leap, they hold you down. I was at the young adults dance last night, and I, I learned a new dance step, and and I my hips are still okay, but it's something like this that goes. It's called the Superman. (laughs) That's about as high as I can defy gravity in this physical sense. But unlimited. What a wonderful sense or feeling of what God's grace and love can be for us. And right before the main character in that movie, in the story Wicked, sings that song, she's offered everything. She said, you can have everything you want. You can have it all. You ever wanted that? You can have it all. You know, so here she is sort of torn. Have it all or listen to her heart. Have it all or be who she is. Have it all or continue negotiating all these relationships that are putting chains on her and dragging her down. And so then she sings this song, I'd rather buy defying gravity. Even if I don't know what it looks like completely yet, I know it's what I have to try. And someday you're going to see me in the sky. Just look, I will be there. Are you ready for God to be that unlimited with you that you can break free of any chains that are keeping you so landbound? you're afraid to fly? Because God wants that for you. God wants generosity and abundance for you. We limit ourselves so many ways. That scripture this morning that you heard, I call it the torn between two lovers scripture. You remember that song? Torn between two, yeah. Feel like a fool yet? You know, feeling feeling like a fool? Well, here it is. The scripture just points it out. You know, what are you going to love? You know, and and you're torn between these things you might love. But if you're really, really going to love things and property and those sorts of things, you're going to be angry at God because you're never going to have enough of those things. And anything that gets in your way is just going to be something else to provide you with even more anger with that. And Jesus says God wants you to have abundance, but first... Decide which lover it is you choose. Decide which lover it is you choose and choose God's love, God's hope, God's faith because in so doing, you will have abundance and it will be enough. You will be able to shift even your perspective on the smallest things that life then, instead of becoming a bother, becomes an adventure. Once we choose the scripture says. But you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. So defying gravity, anyone ready to be more unlimited today? If we can try. We know when they do the stage version of the show, they have when the actress sings the song defying gravity, Elphaba, the character, who's green, they have her raise off stage and then fly out. And it's wonderfully beautiful, and there's a picture of this up there somewhere, if we can see it. Can you see her just above everybody? It says, here I go, defying gravity. But you know, I'm not happy with one Broadway reference, we have to have two. <laughs> so, some of you may also know the TV series, Glee which did many, many songs. And in that show, Glee, they had two characters that were competing to figure out which one would be able to sing the solo of Defying Gravity. And in the story, the young man on the right up there uh, was actually trying to sing as best he could because it was a girl's song. Got it? He's a boy. He's going to sing a girl's song. And the writers actually wrote this into the show because in his own life, he experienced that in high school. He experienced going to a school, wanting, wanting to sing this song, and they told him, no, he couldn't even try out. Girls' song, can't try out. And so the writers decided to put it into the show. And so they have the same tension going on, people telling him no. His father goes up to school and says, you will let my son try out. You know, and his son gets the audition and practices and is getting prepared for all of this with all the energy he can muster to sing what he's wanted to sing for so long, but people told him no. And he's been fighting a lot at school. He's been fighting because kids have determined he's different. They know that he's gay, and they discriminate against him. And so he's been fighting a lot, and he's gotten sort of tough and used to this life at school. But then before the solo happens, his father, who owns a car shop, starts getting nasty phone calls about his son, about who his son is. And they start to say negative things to dad, and dad is having a hard time with it. You know, just because it's the first time he's had to experience it, even though his son has experienced it all along. And so the day comes. It's called a Diva Off in the show, Diva Off. So the two divas of the show are competing to sing the song, and the boy's so excited because he can hit the high note. He's been practicing long enough he can hit the high note. And so they both sing. And when it's his turn, he gets to the high note and he misses it on purpose. Because he's so worried about what it will mean for his dad. If his dad gets any more nasty calls, he doesn't know if he can live with that. And so gravity brings him down before he even gets a chance to fly. Later in the show, his father's completely angry at him for doing so. He says, what did you do? I set it up for you. You choked. But it was out of love that he did that even if his father wanted it the other way. Sometimes life has all sorts of chains on us we're not actually aware of till we try to fly. And one of those chains for us, as Tom Berlin has been talking about in this series, is is our financial, our financial chains, how we relate to money, how we relate to things, and whether they own us or whether we own them. And so I want to tell you a story of three people who tried to fly... You ready for that? Three people who tried it. it was in the 1920s. Does anybody here remember that long ago? Dad? No, he pointed at me. No. That's uh, Walter's father's with us today in worship, so I just, he <laughs> doesn't remember. But, um, So in the 1920s, there was this prize of $25,000 for the first flight that could make it from New York all the way to Paris, the first plane ride that could make it all the way from New York to Paris. And so that was a lot of money at that time, so three different teams set off to try and win this prize. The first one was a French aviator who was a war hero. He was a war hero. If you saw him in his dress uniform, he has buttons and badges all over him, and he's just like, he's really festive. I think he'd have fun here, but he's just all... All, all covered with these glorious ribbons and stuff. And, and he actually took that into the plane he developed. It was a good plane. It could carry $20,000 worth of weight, and it, it looked like it would make the distance. And so Rene wanted to arrive in at home in Paris in style. And so so there was a sofa in the plane. There was a small kitchen in the plane. There was mahogany table in the plane. yeah. He was, he was something else, a little bit puffed up about all this, and was going to arrive in style. The night before he left, they had cases of champagne delivered to the plane, and also, as they went, they had a hot meal delivered to the plane. And th- there's only two people getting on the plane. A hot meal delivered of uh, turkey and all this wonderful stuff for him to eat along the way. So all totaled, all added up, Rene had managed to put 28,000 pounds in that plane that could only carry 20,000 pounds. So they took off. The plane went run and down the runway, made it all the way to the end of the runway, tumped over the edge of the runway, tumped—that's a Texas word—tumped <laughs> over the edge of the runway and burst into flames. The tragedy beyond that was that two people died in that accident. René survived with one of the others, but he just couldn't even get it off the ground. He was so weighed by everything he thought he needed to bring with him. He was chained by what he thought it needed to be like when he got to Paris. The second one was a man named Charles Levine. He had a team of three people, two pilots that he trained getting ready to go, and they had a great plane as well. And, and, and Charles, if, if René was kind of puffed up and that sort of ribbony kind of guy, uh, Charles was the drama queen. He was, because what he wanted to have happen was to have a biggest splash he could about all of this. So he wasn't going to tell anyone who was going to fly the plane until the night before. So he got these two pilots all trained and ready, and he was holding up so he could get the best news advantages he could before he announced who it was. And the night before, he goes to these two pilots and he puts a contract in front of them. And the contract says whichever one he chose would not get any money from PR relationships or media things after the flight. They would be cut out of any of those kind of activities following the plane. So before the plane took off, one of those flyers, Bertrand, was able to get a court injunction. And so the plane never got the chance to go. You know, what does it mean sometimes to worry about who has What? And if I have enough, and how much more do I need to have enough enough that we start these arguments with one another over things and don't ever get to fly because we're so busy, consumed by the anger and having enough for ourselves and whether someone else has too much. Well, gravity won. Didn't even get off the ground. The chains kept them down, both of them. Now there's one pilot who made it. Y'all know his name. Very good. Did you know the other ones? Not so much? Okay. We know why. Um, But Charles was of one mind he was going to get there. He didn't even let his plane have two motors. He stripped it down to one motor to save gas and to make it go faster. He also didn't even put a window in the front of the plane. He left it out. He looked through a periscope so he could see where he was going in the plane. The maps, to help him know where he was going, they had these little borders around the edge of the maps. To save weight, he cut all of the white off of the maps around. Can you imagine that? I don't know if it would affect anything, but he thought it would affect something. And so he even trimmed the maps so that there would not be very much weight on his plane. We know that his plane took off. We know that he landed in Paris, and we know that he claimed $25,000. He did it by having a goal and by removing anything that was going to be in the way of him achieving that goal by streamlining it, by decreasing the clutter, by paying attention to what it was he wanted to accomplish. And so we remember that name, three ways of trying to defy gravity, and one of them made it, where the other two did not. Tom Berlin reminds us, gravity does not happen by accident. Gener- sorry. Ha <laughs> I blew one of his most important quotes. (laughs) Generosity does not happen by accident. Generosity happens by planning and by intention. That was last week's message from him. This week, his message says, generosity does not happen by luck. Generosity happens by design. You know, if we wait on luck and wait on accidental We're not going anywhere. But if we make a plan, Berlin says, then we can get where we need to go. Jesus sort of says to people, you know, don't be torn between two lovers. And then he says, be careful where you put your stuff. Be careful where your treasure is. Be careful what you hold on to. And there's this wonderful passage in Matthew that says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart. So this torn between two lovers thing is real. Your heart. The most of who you are, your passion, where will it go to? And what energy will you spend maintaining your treasure, your treasure. Are we weighed down so much that we can even see simplicity as a threat instead of the freedom it might bring? Do we bicker enough or conflicting values enough that we're never able to see beyond and break free from those chains? The chains that keep us in a culture of needing more and more. Jesus told us to live a life generously, and he wanted us to. He said it so many ways. Please, I want you to trust God. God has abundance for you. And I just know that if you trust God and if you trust in God's abundance, you're going to see right in the here and now how important your life is, how significant it is and what meaning it has. If you're able to trust God that much, you'll be able to be generous. Jesus told us that if we were generous, we would be co-creators with him, co-creators with God. We would be generous as God is generous and wanted us to know that joy. Have you, ever known the joy? Have you ever known that joy of giving, of being free, or even breaking free of something to give, if even just for a moment? I don't know if you remember being a kid and getting allowance. I love it that she gave them 50-cent pieces and asked them to do something with it. You know, like if you got $5 and your parent says, okay, now 10% of $5 is 50 cents. And we're going to take that to church and put it in the offering plate. Were you a little kid like I was? (laughs) No, it's my 50 cents. There's not enough to go around. There's a point in time though where we stop that action and are able to open our arms and our hands and able to break free of knowing that we have abundance to break free into that, to break free from the chains to break free from the gravity that keeps us just working for ourselves. I don't know about you, but I loved it in the song when she said, something has changed within me. Something's changed. I think I'm going to try to fly. Something has changed. Promise me all you want, but I think I'm going to try and fly. That's a moment of epiphany when... Christian followers can recognize the difference between receiving in God's kingdom to being participants in God's kingdom, to being those co-creators. Once you submit yourself to that, even more good things begin to happen. I shared with you a week ago when Walter and I were in Chicago and we had leased our home here and then sold it, and all of a sudden we didn't have that rental income anymore. And we had let all that rental income just flow for our fingers. We really couldn't tell you where it went because we hadn't looked. You know, we didn't have a budget, you know, to help us plan things out like we do now. But I didn't tell you is what happened when that shifted was I made sure that I was going to start writing our check to the church first every month. I just shifted our behavior. I said, I'm going to write this check first and then we have what's left. Because I was afraid if I didn't write it first, it wasn't going to happen. And even losing the rental income we had, we made it every month. And still to this day, we've been able to keep that practice up of being able to write that check. And we are at 10%. You may start wherever you need to start. But we've been joyful enough over time to grow it. Things get in the way. Chains reattach. You have to break free of them again. Now I want you to see this little clip from the movie Up and see how chains can get in the way. So all those ties represent the love over the years that this couple shared with each other. In the beginning of this clip, she's just lost a child and been told she can't have any more children. So he brings out the old scrapbook, the old scrapbook that said, Our Adventure, Our Adventure Together, Things I'm Gonna Do. He Brings out the scrapbook, and then the vision may be a little hazy, so they paint it on top above the fireplace so they can see a little more. They put the glass jar out there, but then life gets in the way. A tire blows out, you get a broken bone, a tree falls through the roof, and we know what that's like in Houston, Texas. <laughs> you know, life just gets in the way, and we have to keep starting over and over again, and the love is what they learned to serve. And after her death, he is about to be taken from the home that served their love all of this time. And so what he does is, balloon by balloon, he pumps helium into them. And once those people come to take him away, he releases thousands of balloons tied to the house. And in only a Disney way, the house lifts up off the ground and defies gravity. He had to have a plan to do that. He had to think about it ahead of time. And he had to maybe even practice how many balloons he needed. Might have had to do some math in order to figure out what that was like in a budget when you have to do math. But he was able to keep the dream that they had as kids and finally lift off because he made a plan to do so. In our lives, there's so many things that can keep us down, but let's please know that God wants abundance for us. God wants you to know the joy of being generous because when you know that joy, you will have broken free of the chains. That holds you down. Unlimited. You ready to be that? Unlimited. Thank you, Jesus, for making the promise. Amen.